reading today is Jonah chapter 3. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh, according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, three days' journey in breadth. Jonah began to go into the city, going a day's journey, and he called out, Yet forty days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent and turn from his fierce anger so that we may not perish. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster that he had said he would do to them, and he did not do it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You guys can have a seat. Uh, for those that uh, don't know, uh, this is my, my bride, the best part of me, and um, I've asked her to read today for a couple reasons. I, I, there's a, um, a new women's uh, kind of coffee at the creek thing that's coming up here. At, I think we have a graphic up of that. Can we put that? There we go. So February the 12th on Sunday mornings at 1045, she is going to be leading a, a thing, I believe, out into the, in the cafe area. And so this, what this is, this is for new uh, people or unconnected people at the creek. So ladies, ladies, she's not teaching the men here, but uh, if you are here and you're not a part of any kind of a group, any kind of study, any kind of community, that's what this is. It's on campus, second hour. Uh, it's not to be done instead of corporate worship. It's in addition to. And so that is what this is for. We want to connect all people to the church um, and the beautiful community that we have here. So that's what she's intending to go out and reach. It's not, listen, ladies, if you're here and you're a part of the group, this is not Sweet Hangs with Callie. That's not what this is. Uh, I know you, listen, I know you probably want to come in there. That's great. But we don't want you to uh, abandon your other groups and to abandon even serving on Sunday mornings to come to this. We're trying to reach new people. So ladies, if you're here and you know someone uh, bring them along with you. That would be a good thing to kind of come do. So that's one of the reasons why I brought her up this morning. Second reason is, uh, is because her birthday was a couple days ago and uh, I wanted to just kind of love on her a little bit uh, to remind her um, and, and you that just the value that she is to, to our church and to me. Uh, you know, she's not paid, she's not on staff, uh, but she pours her life out for the sake of the gospel and the sake of this church. She loves you well, um, and she impacts me, which impacts you in a mighty, mighty way. So I'm thankful for her. Uh, Y'all love her well. Thank you for doing that, for honoring her, and uh, that's why I brought her up. All right? Love you, babe. 
there goes the applause again. Like I do, I, never, never me, I never get the applause. No, I'm just kidding, of course, y'all know that. Uh, open up your Bibles to the book of Jonah, chapter three is where we're going to be uh, today. We're in a series, uh, we're week three in a series in the book of Jonah. If you, if, you, if you haven't been a part of that, missed anything, you can always go back on the app and online to to watch that and kind of catch up with us. It's the importance of regular uh, being here, commitment, because we're going through a narrative and it, you don't want to miss anything, but um, you can catch up with us. But um, today, Jonah chapter three makes me think of a man named Jim Elliott. Might make you, uh, you might be familiar with the name Jim Elliott, who is probably one of the most well-known American missionaries in modern age. In 1956, Jim Elliott, along with four other men, went to Ecuador um, in the efforts and the hopes to preach the gospel to an unreached people group called the Aka Indians. They'd never heard the gospel before. And, and so Jim and these four men went there. And after a short period of time, they, they, they were met with extreme hostility and conflict which eventually led to them all being speared and killed. When the news broke of Elliot and the four men, uh, there was a search committee sent out, of course, to recover the bodies of the five missionaries, and the media got a hold of the story and painted it as a tragedy. Um, some even called it a wasted life or even something just foolish. But that's not what Jim Elliott believed. What Jim Elliott believed was something that he recorded in his journal. And I could read the quote from you from Elliott's journal, but I, I, I chose to put it up on the, the picture uh, on the screen here for you to see what was recorded in Jim Elliott's journal is this. One of the greatest blessings of heaven is the appreciation of heaven on earth. It's an Ephesian truth. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You see, Jim Elliott had eternal life and the favor of God through Jesus Christ, his faith in Jesus Christ alone. And it was a, he was eternally secure. So the loss of comfort, his personal dreams, his, um, his, his aspirations, and even his own life, Jim knew the Ephesian truth that that wasn't loss at all. It was all gain. Jim also knew that he wasn't a fool or anything that he was doing was foolish. See, what Jim Elliott thought was foolish was losing someone's life for the sake of the world. That was foolish to Jim Elliott, but losing his life for the sake of the gospel wasn't foolish at all. It was, in fact, very wise. Jim was faithful. And because Jim was faithful to share, God was faithful to save. Through the testimony of Jim Elliott, God used the faithfulness of the sharing of Jim Elliott to save many, many people, to mobilize many, many people by hearing the, the story of Jim Elliott, to live sent, to abandon the comforts of the world, 
to go reach on people's group. His own wife, Elizabeth Elliot. Through the, through the ministry done by so many people, God saved many people because of the faithfulness of Jim Elliot to share. Jim was faithful to share. God was faithful to save. That is what we see today in Jonah chapter 3. Similar story. We're going to see the faithfulness of Jonah to share. He's going to do his part. And then by God's will, we will see his faithfulness and his willingness to save. That is what we're going to look at today. In our study, obviously, I don't want us leaving here with meditation or appreciation, but with action. This story is is to stir up in us our faithfulness to share so that God would show his faithfulness to save. Those are the two points we're going to look at today. So let's look at the first point this morning. We must be faithful to share. We must be faithful to share. Now, so far, in the first two chapters of the book of Jonah, we've learned from his failures. Now, there's a switch, and the hope is that we would learn from Jonah's faithfulness. And the last time we saw Jonah, where was Jonah? He, the beginning of chapter one and two, in case you didn't remember, Jonah's failed a lot of times. He, by all measures, is probably the worst missionary ever. <laughs> God said go, Jonah said no. Like you don't wanna, you don't wanna support Jonah financially, right? He's not living sent, he's living in sin. He's been on the run from God. He's a fugitive, fleeing from God. And because of his rebellion, we see him sinking, storm, storm blown over, sinking at the bottom. He's been swallowed by a great fish, three days in the belly of a great fish. You might say that Jonah had a whale of a problem. Dad joke. It's too easy. I had to kind of do that one sometime here. But Jonah, in the belly of the fish, wasn't a cry bully, he cried out to God. He knew he was there because of his own fault, and so he cries out to God, he repented, and a great God vomited Jonah out of a great fish. And that's where we last left Jonah. He spit out on the side of the beach. And now, this is where we pick up Today, because the word of the Lord has come again to Jonah. Let's look at it in verse 1 and 2. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it the message that I tell you. Now, at first, this is almost like a deja vu of Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. Sounds strikingly similar to it. And if you were a part of that, you could flip back and look at it when you want to. It sounds like the very same thing. Here it is again. Jonah, go to Nineveh, arise, go, and share the message, and call out against Nineveh. But upon closer examination, 
there are some different things in this word from the Lord, and I want to share those with you. First, this is the second time that the word of the Lord has come to Jonah. The second time. He gets a second chance from God. I, um, I love to golf. I'm not really good at golfing. I'm being honest with you. I'm not really good at it, but I love to golf. And there's something about golfing when you get up and you're in the tee box, man, you just, there's something about crushing a ball off of the tee and you smack it and it feels so good. It's pure and you guys and you're just like, yeah, I know what you're talking about. So I get up and I'm pretty confident in my drive and I get up at the tee box and then sometimes when I get up there, I hit that thing. And man, I hit a Taylor Swift off the tee box, way left and lost. And that thing just, that thing just goes. Sorry to crush you T-Swifty fans. But I crushed that thing and that thing is gone. And I love golf, but you know what I love more than golf? Mulligans. (laughs) I love mulligans. It's a do-over. It's Golf grace is what I like to call it. And so this is, in essence, is what God is giving Jonah. He's giving him a mulligan. He's giving him a a do-over. He's giving him God's grace. And so fortunately, for both Jonah's sake and our sake, we serve a God of second chances. God has shown that throughout the scripture. Of course, he came to Adam after his sin gave him a second chance, clothed him in the garden. Moses killed a man. He commissions Moses to go. David commits the sin against Bathsheba, adultery of Uriah, or a murder of Uriah, and he comes and gives him another chance as well. Peter denies Christ. He comes to Peter again and gives him a second chance. God is a God of second chances. I cannot tell you how many times in my life I have failed the Lord. I can't count them. He knows every single time. I can't count them. But here's what I know. I know because of my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and because of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone that Jesus has paid for an infinite amount of mulligans for you. Now, some of you in that moment, you're like, hold on. You just get to keep doing the same thing over and over again, and it doesn't matter what you do, God just keeps giving you mulligans because of Jesus? If that's what you think, then you don't understand the gospel. We don't deserve second chances, and we are not to presume upon the second chances of God. But here's what I want you to know. We have to remember this. The mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He does give us a second chance to be faithful. The lesson here is that God uses people who mess up because there aren't any other types around. It's the only people he can use. People like you and me who failed over and over and over again. So if you feel stuck today and you're like, I've blown it. I have spit in the face of God. I've run from God. I've rebelled to God. Take heart in knowing that we serve a God of second chances. And don't let your past failure to God keep you from present faithfulness to God. We serve a God of second chances. 
Listen what else is different about this call here. Instead of God saying here, go to the great city of Nineveh and call out against it, he says, go to the great city of Nineveh and call out the message that I tell you. Jonah doesn't have the liberty to go into Nineveh to share what's on his heart. Or I've got something I want to say to these people. He doesn't have the liberty to write his own servant. God's like, hey, I'm writing this one, Jonah. You're not going to write this. This is the word that I'm going to tell you, Jonah. This tells us that in our faithfulness to share, like Jonah, that we don't have the liberty to just to go share whatever we want to with people. It's not what's on our hearts and our minds. And the good news is, it's not up to you to craft some beautiful, awesome message. You don't have to be this theological student of a seminary crafting your words. You just, we just have to share the message of God. That is a beautiful, beautiful thing in us being faithful to share. The last thing I want you to see here that's different here is that the, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, but this time he, he obeyed, right? The first time he said no, and now he says, yes, Look in verse three. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh, not to Tarshish. He went to Nineveh this time, according to the word of the Lord. So unlike his earlier rebellion, he got up and he went. He got up and he went. He gives evidence of his true repentance in the belly. Remember, he was crying out to God in the belly, he repented. We don't really know if he repented, but we do know this for sure now. Why? Because his life is different. He's going a new direction now. Remember we talked about repentance last week? It's not just a change of the mind. It's not even a change of the heart. It's a change of behavior. And now Jonah is showing he really has repented because he's now going in the direction of God. He's arising and he's going. You see, every single week I have brought to our attention that God has called you to arise and go. And the Lord has been moving in a lot of people in our church. We've seen baptisms, next steps, conversations, people stepping into serving, uh, growing and giving and all these things because the Lord has called you to, to arise and go do a thing. And the Lord is moving in his people. But let me ask you a question. Are you still running? Yes, you love God like Jonah loved God. But you're still running, rebelling from a holy God who's just, he's just beckoning you to something good, not just something that's right, something good for you. He's chasing you after goodness. Why would you run from that? Why would you run from the goodness of God? What is your arise and go? If he's calling you to do something clear in the scripture, we're not talking about this vague look in the cloud, what is God calling me to do? But something in the scripture, he's called you to do it. Arise and go today. 
He is a God of second chances. He's giving you another chance to stop running. And I pray that you do. I pray that you do. You know, uh, A.W. Tozer said this, and I love this. Three marks of a forgiven believer. They're facing only one direction. They never turn back. And they no longer have plans of their own. That's Jonah. He's not looking back. He's facing forward. And he no longer has plans of his own. He's fully surrendered to the will of God. He's facing forward. And he has this new, almost like this awakened Ebenezer Scrooge spirit, right? It's like, I'm ready to go. He's alive and he's ready to go live sent for the Lord. So he gets up and he, he goes. Look at verse four. Jonah began to go into the city going a day's journey and he called out, yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. There are a few things that I want us to see about verse four. First, notice that Jonah, remember he he was on the beach when he gets the word of the Lord, but, but notice that Jonah doesn't stay on the comforts of the beach and the outskirts of the city shouting the message from way, way far away. What does Jonah do? He went in to the belly of Nineveh, so to speak. He got real close to people who were far, far from God. And if we're gonna be faithful to share, we're going to have to leave the comforts of the beach. We can't sit in the comforts of our life to refuse to go into the world to share the message that God has for us. We can't even shout it from Twitter. We can't post it on our Facebook wall or put it on our bumper sticker, hoping that this far away from people just shouting out this message from God, we cannot expect that to be the way of evangelism. We have to be people that are willing to abandon the comforts of our life to go into the world and get close to people who are far from God. Let me ask you a a good reflective question. As I asked myself when I was studying this week, do you have anybody in your life right now that's close to you but far from God? Close to you, but far away from God. Man, if you're not, you're not in Nineveh. You're on the outskirts. You're on the beach. We have to get close to people who are far from God. How else can they hear? We must mimic our great God. What did God do? Did God shout it 
shout it from the galaxies? Did he write it in the stars far, far away from us? No, he, he abandoned the comforts of heaven. He came down to us. He got really, really close to us, people who were very, very far from God. And he shared the message. That's what our Lord Jesus did in his method of evangelism, isn't it? Isn't that what he did? And shout it from the rooftops. He, he got close to people, to wicked people, to Ninevite people, right? We know, we, we know he hung out with sinners all the time. He got close to people who were far from God. But here's what he didn't do. He didn't just have sweet hangs with them. He didn't just kick it with lost people. He called them to repentance. Don't ever miss or abuse that text and say, Jesus just hung out with lost people. Yeah, he did to call them to repentance. And this is what we must also do if we are going to be faithful to share. Another point, this is really a sidebar that I really couldn't get away from because I do see it very um, applicable in today's world. Notice Jonah went to the people of the city. A day's journey, he, he walked around the city in, in, in the trenches of the city, the great city of Nineveh, just talking to people. He didn't go to the king. He went to the people. And we will see in a minute what happened when he went to the people and eventually got to the king. But the point here is, Jonah did not charge the king's palace demanding that they repent. He went to the people. And the word spread to the king. Listen, we live in a really, really wicked Nineveh world, don't we? The politicians, far, far from God. The wicked city. Presidents, politicians, so-called kings. Our, our laws, the culture that we speak into, we see is, is deformed in manners of homosexuality, the LGBT community, and gender confusion, and violence, and racism, and hatred. We all want to see that change, right? Well, if we're looking at the story here, we don't charge the White House. We don't protest the politicians in the courthouses as a primary means of evangelism. I'm not saying those aren't things to do, but I'm telling you, if we want a civilization that begins to look more like a Christ-centered community and not Nineveh, we have to just go to people. It starts with people. Just everyday people on the ground, walking through the city in the hopes that it does reach the king, right? This is a great strategy. Of course, the Lord and his great commission also affirms this as the method. You know, he didn't roll into Jerusalem kicking down Caesar's palace to demand that they change Roman law. He went to people and just shared the gospel. And this is what we do. Now, the next thing I want you to see about Jonah and his faithfulness was the message that he preached. Like, we can't get around this. Look again at his message. Yet 40 days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. No bottom line, no three points, 
in his sermon. No, no jokes or cokes or illustrations, no spins on anything. Just eight words. It's actually five in the Hebrew, but just eight words. An eight-word sermon. Much shorter than the one that you get every week here at the creek, right? Eight words. Bet y'all would like that, wouldn't you? <laughs> Eight-word sermons. You get out of here, you go make kickoff. Eight-word sermons, right? Hey, when we stop sinning, I'll stop preaching, okay? That's kind of probably the take there. <laughs> I'll do an eight-word sermon, right? Uh, Jonah preaches, this is, this is the message that the Lord told him to preach. He didn't roll in and say, Jesus has a wonderful plan for your life, Nineveh. I mean, you need to just like, Nineveh, y'all really need to go to church. You really need to turn your life around. Start making better decisions, Nineveh. Jonah didn't go in as a life coach. He went in with the message that God told him to preach. It's very direct, all right? I mean, I think we could all agree that this is a pretty, pretty direct message. It's, it's turn or burn. It's evangelism by extinction, I mean, that, that is what it is. Nineveh, you're on the endangered species list. God has put you on it. And if you do not turn away, you will be overthrown. Just, I mean, I think about that. And I'm like, we have this, this disdain for this hellfire, brimstone, Turnerborn preachers. We, we do. Let's just agree with that. We, we, we have that. And yet, this is Jonah's message. Now, I will say this. Most people would agree that, that Jonah probably didn't just say eight words, that there might have been more to the message behind what he had to say. We know that preachers elaborate, of course, and so he probably added to this, but that's not the point. The point is this is all we're given in the recorded scripture, this is all we get. So we have to say, okay, why did it not include all these other things if they were in fact even there? Why do we just get this directness, this turn or burn idea? Why did we get that? And here I think is what the point of that is. I think the point here for us is understanding that when it comes to sharing the good news of the gospel, there must be bad news first. That is why I believe that this is here. This is the point. There is a bad news element that precedes the good news of the gospel. And we don't naturally like to share bad news. Sidebar, it really wasn't Jonah's problem, honestly. He didn't have a problem sharing the bad news. He had a problem sharing the good news. We'll see that next week. He was like, I just tell it like it is. But, but everybody else, by and large, by and large, we, we don't like being the bearers of bad news. We don't like to be a parent who has to share the bad news to our children. We don't like to be the boss who has to share the bad news with an employee that has been terminated or laid off. We don't like to be bearers of bad news as a doctor who would give bad, bad news to a patient who has just 
been diagnosed with cancer. We don't like being the bearers of bad news. Now, we don't like to be the bearers of bad news when it comes to spiritual matters either. We don't want to do that. We we don't want to naturally offend other people, to share abrasive truths to people, the bad news element of the gospel. So what do we typically do? Well, we shrink. We, We become bashful when it comes to the gospel because we don't want to offend anyone with bad news. But the lesson here for us, again, is if there is no bad news, there's no need for good news. How can we ever tell someone that they need a savior if they don't know what they need saving from? You and I, we must tell people that they are all born separated from a holy God. That they face the judgment of God being overthrown, a great disaster. And they are deserving of it. And they will have to stand before God on the day of judgment that there's a fearful expectation of what awaits you if you do not embrace the good news of the gospel that Jesus Christ has made a way for the wrath of God to be poured out on his son instead of you. We must tell people the bad news before they can receive the good news. Now, I do want to say one thing here in our sharing of that stuff. We need to avoid the sugar-coated gospel. In our faithfulness to share, we need to share the news that cuts, that hurts, that rips up wounds and even kills because it is that news alone that cures and makes people alive again. I think it's important also to make a statement here that it's not this licensed, again, to just tell it like it is and to be this pit bull for the gospel or this Doberman with doctrine, right? You know, those people who just blast it out. They don't care. They just just spitting it out. I don't care what you think. I just tell it like it is. Like, this is not a license for that. We must understand that the fullness of the gospel is, is truth, but it is followed by grace. We have to make sure that we're remembered as people who are not just telling people how wrong they are, but how they can be made right by a holy God. That's, that's what we want to be known for. But the point here, again, as we come to a close in point one, is that Jonah was faithful to share. He shows us how we should be faithful to share, to do our part, to prepare the way, to declare the way, and then get out of the way to let God do what he does. And now we go into the second point. God will be faithful to save. God will be faithful to save. Now, for those that have been part of the story here in the study, uh, we've talked about what Nineveh was, this great wicked city, Nahum 3. We'll give you more description on that. Wicked city, hostile to God in every way, pagan in culture. Uh, Man, they're worshiping many, many false gods, and they're hostile. They're unreached. They're uneducated in the scriptures. They don't know this God that Jonah is coming to talk about. 
And he comes out with this message. That's the message he gives them. Now, you probably think, like, they're probably not coming up to Jonah after that sermon and kind of patting him on the back. Man, that was awesome. Man, you roasted us. That was so good. You got to come hear this guy. He tells us how bad we are. It's crazy. Like, that's probably not what we would think hearing that sermon, right? We would say, hey, Jonah, man, this strategy that you got to reach Nineveh, it's horrible. You have got to do something greater than this. I mean, you got you to pull in some inflatables, man. You got to get a market, marketing strategy of evangelism at your church. You got to do way better than that, man. You can't just come in and do that. This is not going to work, Jonah. But it turns out that was exactly the message that the Ninevites needed to hear. Listen to what happened in verse 5. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and they put on sackcloth from the greatest of them to the least of them. The people of Nineveh believed. All the people of Nineveh believed. And I've read this past week an estimated of anywhere from 150,000 people to upwards of six. 100,000 people believed when they heard that message. This is incredible. No false conversions, right? No, we all believed here. So this is, and this is also not pastor math where, you know, they go, hey, I got a lot of conversions this week and we saved 200 people in our church this week. We don't, like, we don't really know. Here we do, 600,000 potentially people got saved. This is the greatest awakening, greatest movement, greatest revival recorded in Scripture. They all believed. When all human terms and means and methods seemed ridiculous, God was faithful to save. Notice what also it says in the text. It says they believed God. It doesn't say they believed in God. It says they believed God. You see, believing in God is what James calls demon belief. Even the demons believe in God and they shudder, but they do not worship him. So a simple belief in God does not help you at all on the day of judgment. It is believing God, believing him, his person, his word, his truth, and then changing your mind and changing your heart and then living differently because of it. That is what believing in God looks like. And then they show us what belief in God looks like, don't we? We see them changing their behavior again. Here it is. We see the repentance of Jonah, his life changed. We see the repentance of Nineveh, and now their life is changed. They repented, didn't they? They started fasting. They, they didn't normally do this. This is not practice common in Nineveh. They started to put on sackcloth, which is, of course, expressing great mourning over their sin. We're told in 7, 8, and 9 that the, this movement created awakening in the people that they, they were mourning and putting on sackcloth. It reached the king. The king takes his robe off. 
He trashes his kingly robe and puts on sackcloth and begins to mourn and orders a fast. Mourning for all people, all beasts in Nineveh that they would mourn, that they would repent in the hopes that God would relent his wrath and that he would save them. Look what happened in verse 10. When God saw what they did, how they turned from their evil way, God relented of the disaster he had, said he would do to them, and he did not do it. Now, before I get into application here, I do want to acknowledge from a temporal human perspective, it looks like God reacted to something Nineveh did because they did this, God did this. From a human perspective, that's what you see. But from a, an eternal perspective, a divine perspective, we know that God is immutable. He never changes. He doesn't react to us. You see, the reality of this from a Kingdom perspective, God had chosen to save Nineveh before the foundation of the world. He already knew what he was going to do before Jonah ever got to Nineveh, before Nineveh ever repented, before they did anything. God had already appointed the salvation of Nineveh. He appointed the means, and he even appointed his own relenting of his own wrath. It's the plan all from the beginning. With a mighty outpouring of his grace, he brings redemption to the entire kingdom. God was faithful to save. Jonah was faithful to share, and God was faithful to save. Of course, we know that even Jonah believed that it would be God that saved. He just proclaimed last week, salvation is from the Lord, right? And Jonah knew that. He knew he wasn't on the hook to save the people of Nineveh. Jonah knew that salvation belonged to the Lord, but he knew that obedience belonged to him. And that is the same truth to be said of us today. We know that salvation belongs to the Lord, but obedience belongs to us. So how do we sum all of this up into an application? So here's what I want to do. I, I, during this time, I, I want to encourage you to maybe put away notes because this is not for doctrinal purposes and information. This is where I want to appeal to the heart because of the preaching of the word that, and to see that if it might speak to us individually and activate us into being faithful to share like Jonah. All here today are either Jonah or Nineveh. Everyone here will either identify with Jonah or with Nineveh. Let me talk to the Jonas in the room first. The Jonah is someone who is a Christian, loved by God and lover of God. You've been walking with the Lord. You just love him. But here's the reality. You know and you would agree that you've blown it. You've blown it several times in your life and you've blown it 
in regards to the mission that God has called you to. You've shrunk back from sharing the gospel. You've blushed about it in front of people. You've been afraid. We've been afraid to offend other people. We've made up our own messages about what we want them to share. We recoil. We don't share. We have all failed at the mission of God. All of us. But the good news is that God is a God of second chances and comes to us again, picks us up for those that are willing to repent and says, hey, I'm coming to you again. Arise and go. Jesus has come to us and given us our arise and go, church. Here it is. Matthew 28, 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see, Jesus has told us to leave the comforts of the beach in our lives, leave the comforts of our home, leave the protection, our dreams, our ambitions, leave the comforts of life, abandon those things, and go into Nineveh with a message that I tell you. Is God calling you to maybe go to the nations today? Like it's a, it's a radical thought in, in some realm, but hundreds and hundreds of years we've seen people that are willing to forsake their dreams, their plans, climbing the corporate ladder, forsaking the American dream to literally pack up and move to go to Nineveh. The call is not done. God still calls us to do this today. Is God calling you to go to the nations? Maybe to go to Bangkok, to partner with our church in Bangkok, to Brussels, to partner with our church family in Brussels for the sake of the gospel, to, to Brazil, to Mexico, to China, wherever it may be, is God calling you to go to Nineveh? Maybe. Maybe he is. But here's the reality. You, you don't really have to go to another nation to find Nineveh. You see, Nineveh is all around us. And Ninevites are all around us. Some of you have Ninevites in your home, in your neighborhood, at your workplace, at the, the ball fields that you have a community with of people who you do sports with. There's Ninevites all around us, people who are far from God and close to you. How will they hear, though, if we don't tell them? How are they ever going to hear the good news of the gospel if we don't share it with them? They're not going to be saved by watching your awesome life where you go to church on Sunday and you read your Bible. Those are great things, of course. But they're not going to be saved from a holy God into eternal life until you tell them. And it's not your message. It's not my message. It's the message that God has told you to tell them. That's it. 
We must be faithful to share. And probably a great motivation for us to go as Jonas is to remember that all of us, everyone in the room, every believer in the room, you were a Ninevite before God sent someone to you. Go therefore and share the gospel with that person. Let me talk to Nineveh, and this is the last piece. Benji, you guys go ahead and come on out and get, get us ready for some time to reflect. Let me talk to Nineveh today. The Nineveh person is someone who their whole life they have spent trying to earn the favor of God by their works, by their deeds, by being a good person, by going to church or by being baptized or getting a church membership or giving close to goodwill or blood to Red Cross and helping old ladies across the street and practicing Southern hospitality in the hopes that one day, God, would you let me into heaven? That is the Ninevite. Is that you? All are born Ninevites, hostile to God, enemies of God, and will face being overthrown in a disastrous way by a holy God. Apart from the good news of Jesus Christ, God made a way for you, church. For anyone here today that has ears, God has made a way. He has taken that wrath that is meant for us, and he has put it on his own beloved son, the only innocent person that ever walked the earth. And for all people that believe in that beautiful exchange where you give your sin to Jesus and he gives you eternal life and you love him and you follow him and you worship him, you have eternal life forever and ever. So some of you, would you be willing to acknowledge you are a Ninevite today and you're ready to come to arise and just go to Jesus? You can't go to Nineveh if you don't come to Jesus first. And so maybe that is your step this morning. So I'm going to ask you to go ahead and just bow your heads where you guys sit at right now as we close out. And as we do this this time, Jonah, Jonah's in the room. I want you to reflect. Where do you need to go? Where is God calling you to go? Who is he calling you to go talk about and to share the good news of the gospel And I pray that you would respond and you would get up and go as Jonah went. For those today that might be questioning that they are the Ninevite, that truly in their very heart of hearts, they do not love God, they don't follow God, they run from God, would you be willing today to get up here in the next few minutes as your response to get up and, and just walk out of this room, walk out the back door, 
come talk to someone. We'll help walk through that with you. We'll pray with you and tell you and identify what your next step may be today. Here's what we know. God is faithful to save anyone who is willing to repent and turn towards him. Take a few minutes. Father, thank you for leaving the comforts of glory in heaven, for being selfless to come close to people who were far from you. Thank you for the personal call of salvation on every single believer's life here today. You didn't shout a message from the rooftops. You came to us each individually with a call on our lives. Thank you for coming close. God, I pray that you activate this church. Today specifically, I I pray for all of Life Point Church, but God, I pray for this congregation today to have a heart that beats and burns for lost people. The way that your heart burns and beats for lost people to come to know you. Activate our minds, activate our hearts, activate our mouths, our feet, our hands to go into the world to people who are far from God and bring them to saving faith in Christ. Make us a church like that. Send us out into the city so that all may proclaim and have an amazing awakening like Nineveh did, that all people would believe you in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all stand, let's sing.